one and all to the grand countdown to Christmas Day. We're a week out. I know you think that we have made a mistake. You're thinking it's not Friday. No, this entire week is going to be a Christmas festive celebration. You're welcome. It's the most wonderful week of the year in the midst of the most wonderful time of the year. With the greatest host of the year. This is Pastor Mike Barnett, the humble, the true, with <laughs> Pastor Corey Cantrell, the eclectic behind the controls. Not and sure. we're welcoming you to Daybreak Devotions on Monday, December the 18th, and the final countdown to Christmas. You were going to say something. Well, I started to say I'm not 100% sure what eclectic means, but I'll take it, maybe. Look it up. It uh, ain't Wednesday, so I can't get in the... And we got so much to do today. I'll Google it later. I don't want to waste the listener's time. Let me uh, let me relieve the listeners who are worried. You know who you are. We are not going to do the typical Friday fun day type thing all week. We are actually going to be in the scriptures. And we want to look at... I, I think just as we were praying before we began the, the, the program today, it crossed my mind. I think what we can do this week, what I hope we do this week, is we bring a weightiness to Christmas so that it's not just Christmas and, yes, we enjoy it and, yes, it's about Jesus and we get our stuff done, but actually see the value of the season and what it can do for our souls. You know, think about this. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I know that the retail stores and everything, they do, like, it, it is an incredible high percentage of their annual uh, sales happens during the Christmas season. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I want to say that it, in, for some, it's like over 50% of their sales. I, yeah, I think so. I mean, but that's definitely 40-some percent, I think, is the kind of a standard number, but I'm guessing. I mean, that's why it's called Black Friday. It is a big deal. Well, why can't we, as followers of Jesus, look at Christmas as a season to do a whole lot of kind of piling up on the uh, the spiritual side of things, because it is really designed for that if we will use it that way. I mean, just think about typically the last few months leading up to the Thanksgiving and Christmas seasons. You know, they're hot. They're hot. You're you're wrapping up the end of the hecticness of summer vacation, getting children back in school. You know, for the business world, you're in October, clicking into fiscal New Year, and all of that kind of stress and stuff. I mean, there's really a lot, regardless of what your background is, that's leading up into here. We could use the surplus. I want to just plug something. If you had any kind of expertise in the subject, you could write a book called Clicking into the Fiscal New Year. <laughs> Be a big seller. Anyway, yeah, it's exciting time. So all week long, we're going to have, uh, we're going to focus on Christmas and kind of count down to the, uh, the big day. We don't have a top 10 countdown today, but you know what? How many days is it till Christmas? We are officially seven days away. Is it seven? Yeah, I guess it would be seven. So we could have a top seven countdown. Number seven. Wait a minute. Would today be number seven? I would think so. Okay, then it's number seven. Well done. Today is December the 18th. Do you know what today also is? I'll give you a hint. Buddy the Elf, what's your favorite color? Ah, I forgot. Today is officially answer the phone like Buddy the Elf Day. Now, is the day that is today the day you'll actually watch Elf, or has that <sighs> already been taken care of? Yes, that has already taken place multiple times by answer the phone like Buddy the Elf Day, because oh, oh, really? It, yes. So over the weekend, you watched Elf multiple times? No, I caught it one more time over the weekend. My children watched it. Uh, I was not able to watch it while they were watching it, but I could hear it. And I'm just going to tell you, that movie is almost funnier now 
not watching it and just hearing it playing mm-hmm. and knowing what's coming up next, being able to see it. It's like how I watch the Andy Griffith show. I, I, I can see that. Nothing like being real to the radio audience. That's exactly right. Luke chapter 2. I've been trying to think of how to start this, but obviously you know, going to the Scriptures is always a good place to start. But we were in Luke chapter 2 a couple of times last week maybe and mm-hmm. certainly a couple of times over this, uh, this month of December. Again, I said this in the church like last Wednesday night, but I have just been fascinated by the the, uh, the announcement from the angels this year. For whatever reason, that's what's caught my attention. But here's, I'm going to explain how I came to this, but this is what I want to point out with the, the whole episode or the scene here in Luke chapter 2 today. I want to look at these shepherds. And there were, in verse 8, there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Now, I want to stop right there in the reading even though the next part's the exciting part. Um, Verse 9, the angels appear and the announcement's made and the heavens are full of worship and praise. And I want to jump to verse 15 and just read this part. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. Now, what I want to, I guess, get at, this morning is I was thinking things are not as bad as they sometimes feel. So I'm going to, I'm going to frame all this and bring us back to these shepherds as an illustration of what I'm saying. Now things are bad. I'm talking about in life and in the world. Okay. We all know things are bad or sometimes bad things happen. How do we want to say that? But things are not as bad as they sometimes feel. And that is especially true for certain people. I feel like I'm one of those certain people. I have a tendency to to notice stuff and things in the negatives. Now, there's a reason, I think, like my personality is to try to be a fixer. So I notice the things that I, that I think could be helped or fixed. But you, I, I also recognize that I have an unhealthy, unbalanced sometimes way of, of focusing too much on that or carrying that, letting it affect me. But for those that that understand that or share that feeling, the reality is things are bad in the sense that, yes, the world is corrupt, the enemy is real and dangerous, and people do hurt in the world, and people do hurtful things. And, yes, my flesh, your flesh, everybody's flesh is despicable. So things are bad. Mm -hmm. Now, if we just stop right there, it's a pretty gloomy outlook on life. (laughs) And I'm not really... I'm not saying that that's how I am. I I feel that I am, for the most part, let me rephrase that. I know that in my heart I am a joyful and a hopeful person. But a lot of times it's where I'm operating on a daily basis and the things that I'm looking at and I'm trying to address and I'm trying to fix and I want to help. And there's a, a sense in which we can think or just focus on the negative. Now, that may not be what brings other people to that. But think about this. We live in the, uh, we're in the season now of the, um, well, you remember we've talked about this before, SAD. Do you remember that? S-A-D? Seasonal Affected Disorder? Affective yes. Disorder? Yes. Seasonal Affective Disorder, uh, they call it. So there are people who have a tendency toward seeing the problems or being negative. And in a time like this, in this time of year, when you have not only the holidays but the winter season, uh, there's this... Uh, there's possibility that there's even a deeper depression that can set in that people will suffer from. You think about all the reasons of that, 
the darkness. Mm-hmm. And that's not something to just be, well, yeah, it gets dark earlier. What's the big deal? Darkness has an effect. Now, it does depend on the condition of your soul, but darkness has an effect. Darkness is a real thing. Look, in the, in the scriptures, there's a real contrast laid out between darkness and light. You know, Jesus brought light into the world, and the darkness comprehended it not. The darkness couldn't put out the light of Christ. Mm-hmm. But we do have a lot more darkness during this time of year, literally, um, naturally. But then there's darkness that comes even in our emotions, relationships struggle in this time of year. You know, think about Christmas season and the holiday season. There are tons of people right now who are going to face their first Christmas without a loved one because of death. Or they're going to face their first Christmas in some sort of new physical disability or a financial problem that they didn't have last year. And sometimes we get into a negative state of mind or a way of thinking in which maybe we're not even enjoying what we do have right now for fear of what is coming, mm-hmm. right? So these are all things. Uh, the, the whole sad thing, the seasonal, seasonal affective disorder, uh, causes fatigue or feelings of tiredness. You know, that can play into it. But what about those unmet expectations and hopes that we have around the holiday season? What about grumpy relatives that we have to endure around the holiday season? So here's the problem. If we stay in the negative too long, we start adopting a certain attitude or a certain posture about life and people. And even if we want to have a good spirit, we can just become, and this is the word I I landed on, we can become reformatted in our minds so that we just tend to think that way. You you know what I mean? Like it's it's the same thing of seeing what you're looking for? Right. Because because what's happening around us if we don't f- have a way to reframe our perspective, that's what we're getting at this morning. So somebody's like, what, what, what is this going? Let me tell you where it's going, then back up to this point. What we're talking about today is how we need to reframe our perspective. Because a lot of times what can happen is negative things or hard times can, if we stay in those thoughts and patterns, they reformat our outlook on life, and we start thinking that life is unfair, mm-hmm. or it's mundane, or it's hard. We may even get to the point where we feel like, well, I'm just cursed or I am victimized. You know, those are words that we understand. And here's the thing about it. The enemy specializes in opportunistic slander and accusation. So thoughts become ideas and we are convinced that they are true. Thoughts like, I'm just stuck in life. You know, here I am. You're 33 years old. Mm -hmm. Here I am, 33 years old. And look, this is, I guess this is me. I guess this is the rest of my life. Or we feel like about other people, family, coworkers, friends, church members, they don't care. They just don't care. You know, so that thought, we stay in it too long, our mind gets reformatted to just accept that as being truth. And then we start picking up signals or things that that start confirming that that thought pattern and so then it gets solidified because we're basically taking the information that we're receiving and allowing it to, to further imprint that, that thought that we're carrying. Yes, we, we interpret everything in life through that. Now, what I'm, what I'm saying is I'm painting a, a darker picture uh-huh. that we don't want to get to. To help us not get there, I want us to think about this idea of re, re, reframing our perspective. And the shepherds... It happens to them in this story. And so, again, we're coming back to the shepherds in, in just a moment. But 
what you don't want to let your heart, your mind get to, or those you love, you don't want to get to that place where you just feel like, well, why even try? I mean, look, look at my life. This is what it's become. Why even try? So again, it, it kind of occurred to me, I, I, uh, I was thinking about it last week, the importance of understanding a distinction in facts and truth. You know, I, I kind of talked about that a little bit last week, not on the radio, but just in some other ways. Everything that I said earlier about the world is cursed or corrupt, the enemy is, is dangerous, flesh is despicable and all that, all those are facts, but it's not the truth. Now, that may sound weird because in our way of thinking, we tend to say facts and truth is the same thing, but all those are facts, but they're not the truth. Why? Because the truth has to include the rest of the story. The truth has to include the facts all being framed into the proper reflection of what the total reality is. Context is key. Yes. The context of the facts. In other words, the world is corrupt. That is a fact. But there's glad tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Mm-hmm. So you can't you can't just focus on the one side. You got to see both. Well, we say the enemy is real and he's dangerous. Yes, but we can say from Luke chapter two. But Jesus was born, and we can go all the way to Luke twenty four, twenty three, and twenty four, and say Jesus finished the work that he came to do, and he rose from the grave, and so the devil's defeated. We can say, well, people hurt, and people do hurtful things, and they hurt each other. Yes, that's true. But behold, Jesus said, I make all things new. Mm-hmm starting with our heart, because if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. We can say, oh, but my flesh is despicable. You don't know how hard a time I have with this sin problem in my life. I, I hear you, but, but remember, grace is truly greater than our sin. Mm-hmm. So you see, that's the truth. The truth is taking everything and bringing it under the reality of God. And this is what has to happen in the shepherd's life. And, and you know, I think we have to just... Be honest about how many of us might have an unbalanced perspective. Now, I want to say this, too. It doesn't just have to be the glass half empty that those people that are unbalanced. It could be the glass half full people, too. Yes. As a matter of fact, it could almost be the people that say, oh, no, my glass is overflowing with joy, when in reality, deep down inside, they're struggling. Mm-hmm. Because that's just a denial of of the of of the facts, right? Of circumstances. Yeah, that's that tends to be more my disposition because what I what I have learned is that was that was a a masked attempt to ignore the reality of problems. Like it was hiding behind the guise of of faith and confidence and oh everything's going to be fine, but in really in reality what it was was it was a disconnect from I don't want to address the reality that there are problems. Which actually cheapens and robs you from the joy that comes from Jesus of knowing that, yes, the problems are real, but the solution is actually more real than the problem. So the the importance of this reframing is that it actually brings us into a deeper and more joy-filled life than even being blissfully optimistic. Mm-hmm. So then what do we actually do? Well, in the psychology world, it's called cognitive reframing. And here's a definition of that. Cognitive reframing is a psychological technique that consists of identifying and then changing the way situations, experiences, events, ideas, and or emotions are viewed. So here's an example of that. Viktor Frankl. I don't know if you're familiar with Viktor Frankl, but he was a survivor of uh, the Holocaust 
and he wrote a book. Let's see, the title of that book is A Man's Search for Meaning. But he, he, he says this, and you've probably read this or seen this quoted somewhere. As far as enduring all that he went through and coming out of it and, and you know really going on and living a very good life where he has helped others and, and brought so much out of what was a terrible experience, he said, everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of the human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. And reframing our perspective, I think it only happens by the preoccupation of our mind. Hmm. And our, actually, let me go deeper, the preoccupation of our heart. And what do I mean by that? So all of this started for me in reading and meditating in Psalm 148 last week. Now, just, just to get through that, Psalm 148 basically is, it's one of the last, the last five psalms are just praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. But there's an interesting uh, part of Psalm 148, I think it's the whole second half of it, and I won't turn there, but you can look as a listener, where it talks about how all creation's praising the Lord, and the young and the old are praising the Lord, and the young men and the maidens are praising the Lord, and it's bringing everybody, everybody's united, and everything is united in this thing of praising the Lord. And I was looking at Timothy Keller's book, again, The Songs of Jesus, and he quoted a, a Bible commentator by the name of Derek Kidner, who wrote his commentary back in 1975, and this is what he said, the only potential bond between the extremes of mankind, joyful preoccupation with God. Wow. And that got in my mind because I had, I had been reflecting myself about what I've already introduced, my, this sense of, you know what, I really get caught in the negative a lot. And that can shape my, my attitude, my outlook. And, and so there was this counter that came in in that study in Psalm 148 and reading that quote and that statement, joyful preoccupation with God. And in a long, just a long way or short way to coming back to it, I think that's what happens with the uh, shepherds here. Now, we have to speculate a little as to what their life and thoughts and outlook was like uh, as shepherds doing their uh, thing out on the hillside that day in Bethlehem. But, you know, let's just assume that the shepherds were kind of just, you know what, hey, we're shepherds, it's cool, we're all right. But they had no, let's just say they had no great ambitions, or let's say on the negative side of things, let's just, because it's our study, let's just, let's just play with it. Let's just say that they were out there thinking, you know, I wish I would have done something different with my life. I should have went ahead and finished high school. Yeah. I should have joined the military. You know, my daddy wanted me to join the Army, and here I am tending sheep. Or whatever may have been going on. That, again, go back to the things we said earlier. Those feelings of, I'm stuck. Nobody cares about me. Why even try? Just get through this, you know. Just get through this and retire. Uh, speaking of retirement, I was uh, reading the daily newsletter from Arnold Schwarzenegger, the mm. Daily Pump. And there was a story in there where he was talking about how at 76 years old, what keeps him motivated or keeps him going. He said he's talked to a whole lot of people that are in their 90s that are still working and ask them what has been the key to their success and why they keep doing what they're doing and keep going. And the response, he said overwhelmingly, is something like this. What other choice is there? Wow. And it's understanding that, that life is not about getting to some great retirement so I can play golf the rest of my days, but it's having purpose and, and pursuing that and, and living that until your last breath. I like that. Just want to throw that in yeah. there. But coming back to the shepherds. So verse 15 what may have changed for them 
In verse 8, we got some shepherds sitting over there on the hillside. You know, life's okay, whatever. But in verse 15, these guys are excited, enthused, and they're on their way into, Be- into Bethlehem to see what has happened, what they've been told. You think, well, what's changed? How might their outlook and attitude have changed and what caused it? Now, I admit this could be a very dramatic and unusual way for it to happen. It's not like God's going to necessarily come into your life today if you're experiencing a lot of downers and fill the heavens with an angelic chorus. But my question is, is there a way that we can practice on a consistent basis the same type of experience with God that these shepherds had that would keep us reframed so that our outlook is much more balanced and healthy and anchored in truth rather than just the facts of our circumstances. And and just let me caveat that by saying I really believe that that is one of the powerful things of the Christmas season. And as I said in the opening, not to waste this, we could really bank up. Think about the spirit of Christmas. It's all in this announcement from the angels. Fear not. Okay, There is courage. There is good tidings of great joy. There is salvation, there is glory to God, there's peace on earth and goodwill toward men, okay? So there's all of these things that we could bank up on during the Christmas season if we will allow God to reframe our perspective by us having a healthy, holy preoccupation with God. So to come back to all this, here's what we're after. What what were the things that happened in these shepherds' lives and their experience with God that night We can't have the full dramatic thing. We don't need that every day. But we can have some of the same types of things on a daily basis in our life. So what reframed their perspective and gave them a preoccupation with God Mm -hmm. or a joyful preoccupation with God? Well, I wrote down three things. We'll see what you have to say. I'm just going to – we're just going to name these quickly as we run out of time today. Number one, I wanted to point out the, the role of fellowship because that's very evident first thing. They were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock. And then the even when the angel speaks, it speaks to them. And, and then verse 15, and, and they go, you know, they, they go into Bethlehem together. And, and so it's the role of companions that are in fellowship that are, again, in life together, but they can help one another. They can promote the right outlook. They can reframe circumstances. They can combat the negativity. Hey, Ecclesiastes 3. When one is down, he's got someone to lift him up. So I think the importance of fellowship. So, again, Christmas gatherings this type of year, man, let's make those things count. Don't be downers, man. Go in there and and encourage one another in the Lord. Determine if you're going to have to be there anyways, make the best of it. And what I mean by that is, you know, there are some of those obligatory Christmas gatherings. Like, there are going to be people here that I'm I'm not keen on. Well, Let's let's just go into it with the mentality of, you know what? I'm going to bring something to the party, literally, and I'm I'm going to just glean from whatever it is that others are bringing as well. And we might be surprised at how the quality of that event turns out. And let's just add one more thing to that particular part: the help of others. There may be times when you actually need to talk to someone like really talk to someone about what's going on in your life. Sure. And that leads me into the second thing that I lifted out of this, and that's the honesty about emotions. Okay, so verse 8, they're in the field keeping watch over their flock. But verse 9 says that after the angel appears, they were sore afraid. Now you might say, well, that's obvious. Of course they were afraid. But, but they were afraid together, meaning 
Nobody at that point was concerned about hiding the fact that they were afraid. Yeah, there was no uh, false bravado. Like, <laughs> I wasn't scared. Jimmy over here was about to cry, but I was good. Yeah, there's there's nobody trying to pull that one off. And they're all just being honest about what they're feeling, what they're experiencing. And um, verse 20, you get down there and, and look at the, the other side of the emotions, the positive emotions. They're coming out celebrating and praising God, but they're doing that together. And so just being honest about our emotions is going to help us reframe our perspective. If we try to hide it all, cover it all up, look, God desires truth in the inward parts. Yeah. So find those people that you can be honest about that you know. Or honest with. Well, I'm like being, I'm gonna be honest about some people when we get off the air. I got some things to tell you. Yeah, I guess I should finish that. Find those people that you can be honest about what's going on on the inside because you know that they're you've got that fellowship. They're they're going after the same thing, and they're they're pursuing. So they're they're gonna take it and they're gonna maybe offer some good counsel or some perspective or let you in on some of their own struggles, and then you can mutually edify one another. And notice how those two things I said go together: yeah. the fellowship, the honesty about the emotions, but. Just be be clear, it's, it's being honest with God about it. Mm-hmm. Because not all of this is going to happen in the company of other people. It's going to happen in your solitude with God as well. And it's just like where all this started with, with me. You know, I, I got in front of me right here, literally, the journal that I wrote this these things down in. And I, and I literally wrote, things are not as bad as they sometimes feel, even though things are bad. Da-da-da-da-da. But I believe I have a tendency, especially recently, to, quote, feel the negative. Okay, that's me in my time of prayer expressing that before the Lord, and yeah. it starts there. Sure. You got. If you can't be honest with God, who can you be honest with? And then the third thing I wrote down is the importance of receiving the message of God, because that's the big highlight here. You know, in the middle of the mundane life, in the middle of the ordinary, comes a word from God. So no matter what those shepherds were feeling in verse eight, by verse fifteen they got a whole new perspective, and they are joyfully preoccupied with God. And it's because they received the message. They listened to it, and then they acted on it, mm-hmm. which makes me think of those Berean Christians in the book of Acts. It also reminds me of uh, my, my Pastor Minute that I put out on Friday. And if you go back and look at that one, uh, Romans chapter 15, verse 4, Paul says, Whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. And so there's nothing complicated about that. Hope is found in fixing the heart on Jesus, and we fix the heart on Jesus by searching the Scriptures. Jesus himself said, John 5, 39, Search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, but they are they which testify of me. Mm-hmm. I cannot stress too much the importance of being in the Scriptures every day. And see, that's something we can do. There's an encounter with God waiting to happen in the Scriptures. Absolutely. But it's just taking the time to go look for it because mm-hmm. he's looking for us and he's wanting to give us the encounter but do we have the frame of mind and do we have the focus on him to be ready to get what it is he's got for us so obviously these shepherds receive some super divine intervention in terms of helping them with their reframing but even though we may not be confronted by the angelic messengers the point's still the same it's by our focus on the gospel and it's by our focus on the message of christmas that we can reframe our own outlook. And in a, in a phrase, it's about seeing him, and it's about making it all about him. It's a joyful preoccupation with God. And so we hope that you'll be able to take that into this start of this week of countdown to Christmas. And with that, have a wonderful remainder of your day. 
Tune in tomorrow, and we look forward to seeing you next time. And we thank you for joining us on today's program. We hope that you'll tune in with us each and every day right here on Daybreak Devotions as Pastor Mike and I will discuss various topics in God's Word. If you've got any questions, comments, we would love to hear from you at daybreakdevotion at gmail.com.